We've already covered the earliest known information regarding the Sovereign of Slap and how he worked his way up to having a royal ticket that would send his show anywhere. This week, we will dive into the record-holding run that the Birth of Magic made, how Symbol solidified a group of loved ones to make music with, and their impressive yet fluid switch to performing original music. Pack your bags, because we are going around the world with BH1 Behind the Magic. Symbol. We know that Symbol didn't continue to rewrite plays and poems into musical format for long. It would be a while before the original songs began to come into the light, and as Symbol and company made their way across the four continents and two island nations on Algar, he was secretly developing these songs and testing the musicians he had surrounded himself with. I mean, I've written plenty of licks in my day, but Symbol's a watering can when it comes to those kind of things. I was just a wilting flower waiting to be watered. I always enjoyed recreating or adapting bass lines to cymbal style for covers and other songs like that. But when they started sharing original songs, oh, dang, it was a new one every time. I was a slap away from not being able to keep up, I tell you what. With the opportunity to tour the world, cymbal began to search for the finest musicians and performers from the fours and twos. While eager to reach the next level of his art, Symbol was never afraid to wait for the stars to align. Now, Symbol reserved patience for when it was absolutely necessary. I mean, there were a handful of people that they stuck by, and the ones that were reprimanded took it to heart and really tried to deliver what Symbol was looking for. I mean, like myself, I think they realized the opportunities that playing with Symbol would bring. I mean, it was a guaranteed way to see the fours and the twos. Symbol had composed the primary roles for the birth of magic to be quite the display of one's prowess, but would hold new auditions when they moved on to the next big location. The only constant was the musical core found in the pit. This crew was made up of guitarist Solomon McPicksmith, bassist Torrance Thunderbuckle, drummer Twilly, and on keys, Eloise Graymaker Dawkins. I still go by Graymaker today. I joined up with the company on the Alkin leg of the tour. We'd been making our way westward on the Alkin Road when I was given a rewrite for the third act overture. That thing had an ungodly fast rhythmic passage in it that was supposed to replicate the arconic rain that seeded magic into our world. I knew then and there that my skills were being tested. It was actually supposed to be for the performance the next night, but I spent the better part of that day working it up and played it that night. It's hard to surprise Symbol, but not impossible. Symbol said I played it so well that the keys of my piano blurred into a solid gray color and gave me the name Graymaker that night. All of the performers across the fours and twos were a treat to work with, truly. The hype over this tour was always a step ahead of us. I guaranteed the biggest names in the lands would show up for auditions. Symbol <laughs> was definitely the star and wanted it that way, but they also wanted to feature the artists of the land we were touring in, and it actually kept things fresh for the whole tour, and I don't recall the core of the tour complaining at all. Oh my gosh, yes, the audition process was a drain every time. You would think that the rehearsal time would be the real slog, but it wasn't. 
The word had spread about Symbol's expectations, and those that Symbol and I chose luckily had their music and staging memorized in only a few weeks. They were very impressive. With such adamant performers flocking his way, Symbol successfully cast, produced, rehearsed, and performed all of the necessary shows across the world in just short of five years. It was during the final leg of the tour in Beatsart that Symbol began doing surprise performances of new material. It started by Symbol rounding up Solomon, Twilly, Graymaker, and myself after a show one night, and I thought one of two things. We're either in a lot of trouble or we're going to have a lot of fun. Well, Symbol asked if we were interested in learning some songs that had been on the back burner. We had a lot of fun after saying yes to that invitation. <laughs> Hell yes, I hopped on that beat quick. Timing is everything when it comes to drumming. <laughs> Symbol began holding practices for these songs after daily rehearsals. This is what led to a short-lived underground phase where different taverns were unexpectedly hosting the rising star and his new band. Simmel and I started to be at odds with each other over these shows. I mean, I was concerned about the contracts we'd worked out with the backing band for the T-Bomb show because extra performances had been worked in and the pay on that was higher than normal. But Simmel said they'd cover it out of their own pocket if it became an issue, so I just left it at that. So did Simmel compensate you for these non-related performances? Why do you ask? Is Simmel thinking of backpaying us? Oh, I'm not sure about that, but why? Was that an issue for you? <laughs> Never hurts to ask, and no, not really. We had been playing T-Bomb music for so long that it was a refreshing change of pace to perform new music in front of people. Really, it's probably the reason I didn't think to ask for extra pay at the time. I mean, the pay we received from the tour was quite handsome, so money wasn't really an issue. I was the most flush with money I had ever been in my life. The opportunities to spend what we made weren't very frequent, so most of it was socked away. I think I could have retired if I hadn't kept playing with Symbol. Word of these performances began to spread out, which began to cause issues for the smaller venues that Symbol would choose to perform in. If you ever wondered where standing room only venues came from, you only have Symbol to blame. Yeah, it was because of Symbol I decided to move my tables and chairs out. I had people who were sitting, complaining they couldn't see the stage because of the people standing in front of them, and I had people behind the tables start to complain because people started standing on the tables. So naturally, the tables had to go, but I was able to fit more patrons in and it made the place more lively anyway, but of course, Simbo was probably responsible for that. <laughs> As the T-Bomb tour began to come to a close, the worldwide fans of Symbol began to ask, what's next? Everyone was waiting to see which play Symbol would adapt to music next, but that's not what Symbol had in mind. So you think a single adaptation was always the plan? Uh, it had to be. It's like there was a roadmap in their head, right? One they were very familiar with, like they'd walked it many times over. The final T-Bomb performance was a return to the Mage Queen's Hall in Apollonia in which Symbol used half of his surplus to put on. Aristocrats from all over Algar made their way to Apollonia for this spectacle. Symbol mm, made a mockery of all the aristocrats that attended. There was no fear in his either. I had to redesign every costume. Each character represented a gaudy version of the aristocracy from all across Algar. Not sure what they were trying to prove, but 
I typically keep my questions in the realm of designing and sewing. I was instructed by Symbol to rework how I portrayed my character. It was a fun change that made my character more whiny rather than pining, and it was hilarious and genius. It was a simple change to have the performers do their choreography while wearing the overzealous outfits that were designed. Honestly, it added to the hilarity of it all. Yeah, I didn't think it was a good idea, but it didn't really matter. Symbol got out of T-Bomb what they wanted, and at the end of the day, we weren't going to be hurting. But it was rather awkward when the aristocracy did not catch on. I mean, it went well over their heads, and it was very odd hearing all this applause and these laudations from the royalty while the more salt-of-the-earth audience members like myself just guffawed and chortled through the entire thing. The after party had a lot of drinks and a lot of laughs, all at the expense of the people who footed the bill for the performances we've been doing the past few years. <laughs> it never felt so good to be so bad. Having completed the world tour and the return performance in the Mage Queen's Hall, Symbol announced that he was releasing the materials for the birth of magic, and that any companies that decided to perform it would be able to do so royalty-free. He also announced that he would not be adapting any other plays. Rather, he would begin planning performances of newly written music that would, quote, change how we think of music and musicians across the world. Ah, oh, yes, I remember that time. We took about two months and spent it as a band. One of our patrons offered up an old family hold on one of the Tropicalian Isles. It was fairly secluded, but we did have a dinghy that would come through and bring us supplies weekly, you know the thing. Because of all the practice during the T-Bomb tour, we didn't have much work to do. The band relaxed with practices laced in here and there, but Symbol remained diligent and was typically working on staging in the whole small hall. We were all pretty close going into it, but the time we spent there playing together, playing just for each other, connected us on a whole new level. By the time we left, we were able to play a two, maybe even three-night show without repeats. I mean, that was the easy part, the music and everything. It was learning to play the show that went with each night that took the time to learn. You, you, does that make sense? Yeah, Symbol had stopped doing plays, but that didn't mean the performances were just going to be musicians just standing up there and playing. Nah, that'd be too easy for them. So during those two months, I traveled and got together a specific list of backup dancers and performers from the D-Bomb tour that would add to the performances Symbol had been preparing. Symbol and the band spent a third month in Tropicalia at the hold with the crew the manager had assembled. There, they refined the performances that would take Symbol's fame to the next tier. Once costumes, makeup, and lighting were arranged, the show made its way into the public eye. Now, not only did I return with the performers, but also with many bids from patrons. I mean, look, being the manager of Symbol has its perks, sure, but it is hard to go unnoticed at the same time. I mean, I was approached by many a courtier trying to vie for whatever Symbol was doing, and they didn't even care what it was. They just wanted it. Flush with paid opportunities, Symbol and the band made their way to Alken to start performing in the Ionian province. This was the first of many stops for Symbol, and while his music began to be the rave of anyone who had heard it, it was his drive to continue reinventing that music which began to cause trouble for him with the band. The practices and performance requests began to become strenuous, 
and some requests seemed near impossible. His songs were topping the charts, but it may have been his drive that put Symbol at his lowest point. Join us next time as we reveal details that have never been shared with the public on BH1 Behind the Magic. Symbol. <laughs>